Hello, everyone. Welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Steve Lansagne, and if this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone, both in and out of the field. Today, we'll be chatting with Dr. Paul Bass, who has significant experience in the field of public health practicing in the Cambia. Paul, welcome on to the show today. Thank you so much, uh, Steve. I'm so delighted to to be uh, this program. Really quickly, let's start off with your background into public health and how you eventually were able to partner with our College of Public Health. What really got you started and interested in the field of public health as a whole? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Steve. Uh, my name is uh, Paul Bass. Uh, uh, this is a young man uh, who was born in a very remote uh, community in the Gambia. I actually had passion for public health, which I pursue at my young age. And I started with uh, the, uh, the Higher National Diploma in Environmental Sciences. I worked briefly as an assistant public health officer in a community health post, where I do a lot of public uh, health-related uh, activities, ranging from environmental sanitation, you know, food inspection, uh, vaccination, and all sorts of uh, things uh, within uh, my jurisdiction. And I also had my BSc in uh, public and environmental health, also worked briefly uh, in that I, I deviated a little, but still within public health, I worked with a road construction company uh, as a health and safety manager, uh, which position I held for about three years and then left for my master's, uh, which uh, was more on injury prevention and control. Came back to the Gambia, also worked briefly, and then had an opportunity uh, to go for a semester long program uh, on road safety, uh, in low and middle income countries, uh, challenges and opportunities in Belgium, University of Hazard, and came back again, worked briefly with the University of the Gambia, then went ahead to do my PhD, public health at uh, Taipei Medical University in Taiwan. That's a really excellent storied background into your experience. And with the road safety side of things, why was that specifically interesting to you? You know, last week we had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Sanyang. What stuck out to you about road traffic safety? Yes, uh, interest in road safety started when I was working with this uh, international contracting company on, on, on road construction. And I've been there advising employees, of course, I was responsible. I was the first, of, first contact, uh, point of contact uh, in the company. I, I do conduct induction exercise for them. I talk to them about uh, road safety, you know, other issues also that are related to public health that are out of road safety, but public health issues, like how they can protect themselves from malaria. You can know that uh, we, we are residing off, uh, you know, in the provinces, and that's where we have a lot of um, mosquitoes. So I need to educate them on a lot of other issues that are public health related. But my focus has been always on, on, on road safety, uh, which I, of course, which is road safety. You can't talk about injury and also live in road safety. Because you go into injury epidemiology, you, you discover that most of the injuries are coming from road-related crashes. So I, my passion for road safety started from there. And then I had an opportunity to attend more programs, academic programs on road safety. And this is where I found myself today. You mentioned the aspect of attending Taipei University and then also your experiences in the Gambia. 
Why do you think it's critical that we have a global mindset in undertaking public health initiatives? Why do you not just go for a country-specific focus? Yes, it's very important. I'm happy to ask that question. With this globalization nowadays, uh, we can't be left behind in terms of public health, and we need to learn from also best practice. In as much as we learn from best practice, uh, as I said, the globalization, technology, and all those kind of things, uh, the best condition we can learn from is the current situation that we are in, that's the coronavirus. This is all about globalization, and this affecting public health. So it's definitely a big problem. So what I found in Taiwan to be a public health issue so I also find it here to be a public health issue. Of course, ways and means being tackled will be different. The approaches are different, but more or less, they are all the same public health issues or public health challenges that we are faced with. Uh, this is why it is very, very important to look at it now with this, we say global public health, because it's affecting every country and affecting everybody around the globe. How do you ensure that the work that you do with your communities that you work with positively impacts them, especially if you're from that community? I think my time uh, with this uh, road construction company, actually it was an eye-opener for me and also an eye-opener for most of the people that I was serving. Uh, it's just now that I realized that when I meet with them, they say, oh, I never knew that what we were doing there was very important. And I felt that, yeah, this was why I was so adamant on most of the things that I asked them to do. That's how it is. And most of the communities also, because it was not all about the employees of the company that I worked for, but also the community. Because during the road construction process, you know, there's a lot of grading and a lot of dust emissions. So I also go into the community to educate them that we, there's a lot of dust here. So if you have your utensils, make ensure that they are covered so that all foods that we are prepared, ensure that they are covered to avoid, avoid contamination. All these things I was doing. And, and people will tell me now, we are working in a company, but these things are not happening. And this is, it too, for me, it's, it's really very sad uh, that uh, most of our institutions that are responsible uh, for this road construction are not, are not implementing these things or are not trying to ensure that these companies, you know, hire people responsible, you know, to ensure that, you know, the community that they are operating, they are safe. And not only the employees, but the community that they are, where they are, they are operating, they are also they are safe. And this is some of the things that some of the achievements now for now I'll feel because these are the feedbacks I receive from people. Uh, will be knowing to me that I was doing these great efforts and, and I was not realizing that this was what the benefit it, it is it was going to have on the community that I served. With regards to the benefits for your communities that you're serving, I imagine a big part of it too is the education aspect and making sure that folks are informed about what's going on. When you're looking at the practice of public health, how did that differ when you were in Taipei and in the Gambia? What, what did you notice between those two areas when it came to public health education for communities you were working with? Yeah, that, there was a, just a distinct difference between uh, the practice of public health in Taipei and the practice of public health in the Gambia. I'll just give an example in terms of waste management. When I went to Taipei the first time, it was like cultural shock. Every evening, you will have a truck come around your street and you have to go out to dispose of your trash. And usually, we are encouraged to buy a specific polythene bag where you can put your trash. Without the polythene bag, you go there, they will ask you away. So in the Gambia here, everybody throws anything anyhow. 
you know, you eat banana, you just throw it anyhow. After you drinking from, let's say, from a, a plastic bottle, just throw it anyhow. But Taipei, that's induction that we receive. Immediately arrive in Taipei, you ensure that if you take banana, this is the kind of dustbin you're supposed to dump it. If you drink from a, a, a glass bottle, this is why you're supposed to dump it. So this is kind of practice that is diff difficult to inculcate here. But as public health practitioners, this is what we've been trying to educate people, to tell people that the environment has to be kept clean and it should be our responsibility to do that. Nobody else should come and clean your trash. In Taiwan, there is only, they always have the same. You are responsible for your trash, clear your trash. Even after eating, the attitude is there. After I finish eating, I should clean my plate. Nobody should clean my plate. But in the Gambia here, if somebody, you come to your house and you serve the food to the individual, the individual expects you again to clean the plate for him and, and the glass or whatever, you know, trust the guy, you know, was produced. So these kind of things that I saw uh, that were a big, big difference between if you compare Taipei and also in the Gambia here. So those are kind of public uh, practices that are different. So for investing in public health, because I imagine the Gambia has fewer resources compared to somewhere like Taipei, how do you see the country allocating those resources? Is it an effective way of funding public health investments? Is it well done there? It is not. It is, it is not. Uh, most of our funding is uh, more or less, I, I just want to say this, there's a lot of politics in the Gambia which is not putting uh, health first, uh, for that matter, public health first. People think about other things that can hand them some sort of like fame in the political arena. And it's very, very unfortunate. Uh, if, if you look at it, in fact, uh, the budget for health compared to other ministries in the Gambia is just too little. Uh, when you have to, you only have to tackle a lot of public health issues here. Uh, you go around our cities and our towns, you see a lot of, you know, waste, you know, all scattered all over. There's a lot of indiscriminate dumping of waste and that needs to be taken care of. It needs a lot of resources to be put in place to be able to take care of them. I just cited trucks in, in Taiwan. Of course, you, of recent, I'm seeing some municipalities buying some trucks, but to me, they are not still enough. I think the government has to come in and purchase more. Uh, but I also see, when, if you go into road traffic again, I had uh, Dr. Sargent talk about road safety in the Gambia here. Also, there are a lot of vehicles that we see, they are all makeshift vehicles, and there are still no resources that are put in place uh, to ensure that, you know, all those vehicles are, are being tested and, and are fit you know, to ply on our roads, because we all don't only talk about the number of vehicles we have, but we also talk about the emissions. And that's also a big, big problem here. Air pollution in the Gambia is also a big problem, even though I may not be talking from scientific point of view to say that this is the measurement that has been made or been done, and this is the level. But <laughs> physically, when I look at it, I know comparatively to other places that I've been to, it's still a big problem or a big challenge that we are facing in terms of this, in terms of resource allocation, is definitely misplaced. When you go to rural areas where they, you know, they, they are exposed to a lot of, uh, you know, hazards. Also, usually they are very neglected uh, in, in terms of resource allocation, in terms of tackling public health. You know, even mere ambulances, you go to certain uh, facilities, uh, you know, where, you know, they treat people sometimes even to have basic, you know, medic uh, medication is also a problem. So the challenge for public health in terms of resource allocation is very huge in this country. And we wish that uh, the country redirects its efforts uh, towards, you know, allocating resources equitably uh, in all regions of the of the country, because the concentration has always been in the urban area. 
but even though it's not still paying dividend, even though it's urban area. But another thing is also attitude in as much as resources have been allocated uh, to tackle public health issues, uh, the populace also have to change their attitude. Uh, if you talk about you know, waste dumping, as just, I just cited here, it's all about the attitude. Uh, people, uh, they know about this thing. That's the unfortunate thing here. Uh, sometimes we tend to believe that they don't understand, but they understand, but they still do what they're supposed ought to know to do. And that's the major problem that we are facing here. But in terms of resources, definitely resources are not equitably distributed uh, to all regions in the country. I think it's a very common we see here too as well is the inequitable distribution of resources. And we see it a lot in, in the Iowa area too with the, the inequitable distribution for rural patient populations. When you're reflecting on that equitable distribution, where do you think would those resources be best allocated towards? What do you see as the most pressing issue that those resources, whether it be financial or uh, workforce assistance, where do you see that best serving the Gambia? I think the most uh, resources that we are deficient in most is financial. Uh, I think in, when you come to public health, of recent we have, uh, we training a lot of public health professionals and they are everywhere. I can cite an example. When I graduated from uh, the college, I was alone in a facility, but the same facility now, if I go there, I'll find about three or four people. So we're not complaining much about human resource, but what we do have problem with is financial resources. So they are not being, you know, put where they're supposed to be put. You know, when you still go back to this thing, because we expect them to do more. We need financial resources to buy more garbage trucks. You know, we need more financial resources to buy certain equipment to be able to assess our, our outdoor uh, air quality. That's not happening. You know, to, we also need equipment to be able to assess whether this vehicle is still roadworthy or not in terms of uh, CO uh, emission. All those things, are they all need financial resources. We may have people, we have a lot of people to do that, but we need financial resources more when it comes to public health in the Gambia. It makes me think uh, immediately of the phrase, you can't change what you can't measure, right? If we don't have any data, how are we supposed to make an accurate decision on these things? So it really harkens that importance of funding public health initiatives worldwide too as well. When you're reflecting on your experiences that you've been able to have across the field of public health so far, What's one thing that you thought you knew but were later wrong about? Yeah, it's just what I've just cited. For, uh, uh, when I was working in this uh, consortium company, uh, actually, I thought these people have no knowledge about most of these hazards uh, at, at, at workplace. But later, I knew that they actually know about it, but it was the attitude changed was the problem. And the recent uh, example is uh, with this coronavirus, uh, because I come from a minority in the Gambia here. And what I discovered, I even started that initiative, I discovered that most of the messages that are being sent out in terms of you know, coronavirus, prevention of coronavirus, uh, usually they use, other, use English language and other major local languages. So I said to myself, as a public health uh, practitioner, I think I also have a stake and I also have to give back to my people. And then I try to convince some health professionals, bring them together and we form a health, like a health forum. And then we begin the conversation and we started outreach. So I went to certain communities thinking that probably these guys know nothing about coronavirus. They, they were trying to impress me with even a, a role play to tell me how somebody can get coronavirus and how somebody can prevent him or herself from coronavirus. So I got it all wrong, thinking that, yeah, my people are neglected. 
I need to go out to them and give them the rightful information. But unbeknown to me, they also had the same like understanding as I, as I do, uh, which is very, very important because uh, most of our people with the social media nowadays, uh, people are communicating on daily basis, but not also that, but uh, family members, because I know when coronavirus started here, family members were going back to their families and talking to them about Corona, uh, which I think I was thinking they did not know much about Corona. On the whole, they know that much as I know. I think that you hit on a really good point there of recognizing that your community may be well-informed. It's just about how is the message delivered, right? How how are folks in the know about what's going on, whether it be with coronavirus or if with other situations of public health importance, and that really relying on communities as a way for uh, transmitting those messages and making sure that you're incorporating those perspectives is really essential to the success of public health practitioners everywhere. I, I do want to thank you for your time today and for, for coming on and chatting with us. And we wish you well in the upcoming year, Dr. Bass. And I also thank you so much for inviting me to your platform. And it's my pleasure to always uh, be available should you have any other future interviews. That's it for our episode this week. Major thanks to Dr. Paul Bass for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted, written, edited, and produced by Steve Sanyai. You can find more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Our team can be reached at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Keep on keeping on out there.